Okay, Brenda, are you ready? Yes. Um, do you want to call the time? Yes, the time is 5.42. Great, thank you. Um, Lorita Mellon? Present. Niha Banger? Present. Lucia Angel? Here. B. Franks Walker? Here. Witcher Harvey Jr.? Present. Eric Murphy? Mark Smith? Kaleo Toki? Ali Yesing? We have a quorum? Good evening, everyone. Um, as far as the board chair report, I just have a comment. I don't know how many of you don't know, but um, Wilma Chan passed away this um, past week, and she was really instrumental in um, so many things, education, low-income housing. She was the one that kept Alameda Hospital and San Leandro Hospital open and running, and just a, a real um, concern, concern for the, the community that she served. It's a great loss. I, I was just so heartbroken when I heard that she had passed. So um, I guess they'll be filling that, I, I don't know when, but I'm sure they will be filling her spot um, as soon as they can. But uh, just a little information there and sadness. Okay, can um, let's go to our action action item B. Uh, can I get a motion to approve the minutes of the October twelfth meeting? I make a motion. I, go ahead. I, I member board member uh, Hervey approved the minutes from the previous meeting for the month of no, uh, October. I'll second. Okay, thank you. Minutes approved. Okay, we have. Um, I think we Damon. still need to vote. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Eyes and Hold on, sorry. Okay, Neha. Irony. Yay. Lucia. Yay. E. Yay. Richard. Richard? Aye. Eric? Here. Mark? Here. Uh, we're saying yes or no for the, um, to approve this. Oh, I'm sorry. Aye. I just, I just got in the meeting, so I, was, I thought you were taking I know, long. I know, Mark. I know. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Kalil? Toki? Ali, yes, yeah, Are there any nays? Okay. Motion passes. All right. Uh, item B, we have a, um, I mean, C, excuse me. We have the medical director report with Damon. Thanks so much, Loretta. Just wanted to um, 
echo your sadness around the loss of uh, Supervisor Chan. Uh, had the chance to work with her in one capacity or another for the past 10 years or so. And, um, you know, she certainly was always one of the kind of sharpest elected officials that we worked with. Uh, her, her knowledge mm-hmm. of healthcare in particular was just um, kind of breathtaking. The command mm-hmm. of the detail had and and like you said her passion for um really comprehensive care for the population she was you know really unwavering in um ensuring that every last resident of alameda county had access to as many um and as good health care services as possible so um, we really really miss we'll miss her leadership um yeah i just wanted to update um you all on a few things that we've been uh talking about in, you know, in this segment, um, so some of which are really related to, you know, the Board of Supervisors. Um, so the first is uh, Project Room Key, which is the, um, you know, the group of uh, hotel sites that are managed for people who are at high risk of complications of COVID. Um, I think, as you all know, those kinds of keep getting extended. The, the project as a whole keeps getting extended. Some hotels have closed, but the largest among them, the Radisson, has been kind of extended and extended in little bits. So there's a proposal now um, that uh, it looks like is going to move forward in the county to extend the Radisson and I think some of the other sites through um, like the middle of next year. I think it's June or July of 2022. Um, and oh, wow. Um, started taking uh, referrals for, uh, for that site. So that's good news for us in terms of referring folks, I think. Um, you know, it's obviously still going to be a challenge whenever those sites close to figure out how several hundred people um, who have been, you know, really, really hard to house are um, going to going to find a, a place to get a roof over their head at the end. But I think it is good news that in the short term that's that's been extended or there's a plan at least to extend it. Um, yeah, that's great. We've, we've talked in the past as well about uh, Measure W, which was the... Um, uh, the uh, tax that was passed it, um, in the last election to provide um, probably somewhere between 100 150 million dollars of revenue to housing and services for people experiencing homelessness. Um, I've asked for an update from the county around um, the oversight committee and you know what's happening with the funding, and really have gotten um, no information at all. Um, so I don't know what's happening with Measure W at this point in time. It did pass narrowly, and um, uh, and I know obviously there there were you know um, citizens groups with concerns about it, and so I I know that's part of what the politics is part of why it's been hung up and why I don't see any sort of evidence of implementation. But um, it might be an area that this board would be um, interested in you know formally asking for information about from the county. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm not able to get any information uh, in in my request. Damon, is it under? Are they recounting the votes on that one? No, they're not recounting the votes. I think the election okay. results were clear, but I I there may the groups who were opposed to it may be pursuing legal challenges. I don't I don't know if that's oh. happening. I don't have any information about that. That's that's entirely speculation. I just haven't oh. heard anything, and you know it's it's a hundred plus million dollars for people experiencing homelessness that we don't know much about what's happening. Um, so I think, right. you know, there, there's room for, if you all are interested, I think for, for the co-applicant board to 
make a more formal request for some update or at least sharing why why things can't be shared about you know what's happening with that funding. I think there was supposed to be public oversight that was written into the bill, et cetera. Um, so the other update I wanted to give um, was just that the governance process that Supervisor Chan had been stewarding, which was looking at uh, the relationship between Alameda County and the Board of Supervisors and the Board of Trustees and Alameda Health System. Um, the last update she presented, I think, was in June at our Board of Trustees meeting, and there were a couple mm -hmm. recommendations for a governance structure that were made by Health Management Associates. Those were presented, and then uh, Supervisor Chan at that meeting said that Supervisor Valle would be picking up that process moving forward um, to, to see if there's any um, you know, additional changes they're going to recommend. I haven't heard any updates at our Board of Trustees level or, the, or um, through the Board of Supervisors um, about the plans for you know, any changes to governance. Um, so uh, that's another area where um, you know, potentially, um, this board in the past, you all in the past have sent, you know, requests for information and, um, uh, participation that, uh, you may consider again. Um, and so I think that concludes the, the things I wanted to mention in the, in the medical director report. Um, okay. leave time to talk about the subrecipient agreement and review the strategic plan later on. So. Unless there's any questions, I'm I'm happy to uh, turn it back over to you, Loretta. Okay. Are there any questions? Okay. We have an action item on D. Um, Kayla. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, so essentially, this is in regard to teleconferencing, which we've been doing since 2020. Recently, AB 361 was signed by the governor, which would allow for the more relaxed um, Brown Act laws regarding teleconferencing to continue. In order to do that, though, two things need to be true. The first being that there is a declared state of emergency, which we currently still have. And the second, that the board needs to find that to meet in person would be pose a risk to the health and safety of meeting attendees. And that needs to be done like every 30 days. So this here would be pursuant to that to allow us to continue to meet basically within the next 30 days. It it applies to this meeting and any meetings we might have in between and it would apply to the next meeting. It allows it to, allows us to continue to meet as we're doing. Um, are there any questions regarding that? I guess actually I should say the staff is recommending that the board approve this just because the CDC is still recommending distancing and uh, control and the county is still recommending masking for indoors. So the staff's recommendation is that the board does approve uh, this. Do you have any questions? I know that was kind of a lot and I made it really brief and fast. So this oh, is only going to approve it. it. This is only going to be for the next two meetings you said? So it applies to this meeting, but we would have to do this at the next meeting as well. Oh, so it applies for okay. 30 So every meeting, as long as there's a continued declared state of emergency, oh. the board finds that it would be a risk to attendees' health and safety to have in-person meetings. Um, 
So yeah, it only applies for 30 days. So it allows you to meet today and allows you to meet next meeting essentially. And at that next meeting, if you want to do that the next month, you have to do this finding again. And it becomes an action item again? Yes. Okay. Okay, um, this, this is Mark. Just out of curiosity, what if, what if we were to, to say no? Would, we, would that mean uh, that we could, we could uh, principally not be able to hold meetings? Well, if you said no, then another option would be... Sorry? Oh, yeah, you can vote no, which would mean that we would go back to regular Brown Act laws, which means your meeting would be in person. And if you had a hybrid meeting where some members were um, teleconferencing in, then the traditional rules would apply, which would mean that each person or board member that's teleconferencing would have to post on the agenda the address that they're teleconferencing in and would have to make that location available to the public. So say you're going to do the meeting from your kitchen, you would have to put your home address on the agenda. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of that's what we would have to do if we decided to do hybrid meetings at this point because that's the traditional Brown Act laws. Uh, okay. Um, I, I, I just, uh, not that I was uh, suggesting such, I was just curious as to um, what the opposite effect would be. <laughs> <laughs> not a great opposite, but that is normal Brown Act laws, but that's definitely something, I mean, the board has the option to choose this, so. Do we make it a motion? Yes, it's a motion and a vote. Yeah. Even though we haven't discussed it, I make a motion that we continue to Virtually. Can I get a second? I second the motion. Okay, thank you, Mark. Okay, keep the count here. Hold on a second, please. Okay, Neha, Banker. Neha? Lucia? Uh, yes, approve. E. Franks? I approve. Richard Hervey? Yes, I approve. Eric Murphy? Mark Smith? I approve. Kali Toki? Toki? Ali Yasin? Here. Um, do you vote to approve the um, teleconferencing meetings? Continuation of it. Ali. Ali, can you hear me? I have a feeling he's in the car, so so I think he might work well okay. with some direct instruction. Um, okay. Please, when you come off mute again, say I to approve the motion. So for the um, remote meeting. He's not hearing us. Do we wait for him, Kayla? You can wait or it's an abstention. Um. Hi, can you guys hear me? <laughs> yes, now we can. Sorry, I. I thank you. Okay, are there any nays? Okay, the motion passes. 
Thank you. Thank you, Kina. Our next thing is with our practice manager, Heather McDonald. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to, um, we have the 2022-2023 um, subrecipient agreement with the county for review. So um, we review this agreement every year, and then we generally um, are approving it, and then it's in effect for a calendar year. Um, one of the proposed changes this year is to make it a two-year process, a two-year subrecipient agreement, so that we don't need to go through the approval process twice. The other changes in this agreement are primarily around the programmatic changes in mobile clinic related to the dental service. So we did review um, previously with when we reviewed the budget, we had made some proposed changes to our budget that are reflected also in the subrecipient agreement. Um, Brenda, can you scroll? for us. This is the memo related to the agreement. Otherwise, the agreement is pretty much the same. There is one other um, change in the budget, which is that Alameda Health System will become responsible for Damon's time starting July 1, 2022. So in the past agreements, um, part of his salary was supported by Alameda County, and um, they are Proposing that that does not continue past uh, July 1st of 2022. Here on this, thank you so much. This is great, um, Brenda. Um, on this page, you can see our operating expense. There's also some capital expense that's included in this budget. This is one-time capital, um, specifically for some equipment that will support the dental van. Um, dental equipment and the van for dental um, that was provided by HRSA. So those are also one-time um, increase for our budget for the calendar year. So we would not see that same amount added into the second calendar year of our budget. So our program budget would be um, without that capital expense for year two. Can we scroll a little more? And we're going to go again. Keep, I'm going to say next. You want to hit the page down. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Basically all the same. No changes. Um, no changes, no changes, no changes. And then we finally, thank you, right there. This is where we get to um, our budget. And again, this represents a one-year budget. It does not re represent both years. And so this would be one year's worth of budget. And then the second year would not include the um, Homeless Health Center director because that's ending as of July 1st. And then if you scroll down a little bit further. There you go. Here's where the capital set expense is added on. And again, that's only for the first year. This money would not be in the second year. But the proposal would then be for the second year. Scroll back up for me, please, Brenda. Up one page. There you go. The second year would look exactly like this, minus the uh, additional ACH funding that's on the right-hand column. Excuse me, Heather, I seem to have lost my way. What actual page are you on? We're on page 35 of 51, sorry. Are you, okay. do you have the packet in front of you? Yes. Yay, I'm so glad it made it. We tried yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. overnight mail. Well, UTS. Yes, I, I have it here. Super, so if you're on page 35, it's where the budget um, for the subrecipient agreement is. 
I, I see it. At the bottom of the page, it has probably two page numbers, 17 of 20 and also 35 of 51. The 17 of 20 represents the page numbers for the subrecipient agreement, and the 35 of 51 represents your whole board book. And thank you. Uh, we'll call out page numbers for you. Um, thank you. For the rest of the meeting, so you can keep up. Um, Brenda, can you scroll two more pages? We're going to page also, Thank you so much. Um, Heather, this is also a new position, correct? Oh, I'm thank you. Assistant to... practice manager. Right. So here we have on page 37, I'm describing the details. Um, you, there's a, a narrative that's included as well. So yeah, so the new position is a, um, assistant practice manager, which is we are trying to launch an ambulatory. And when um, and if we can make that assistant practice manager happen, what we would do is we would be losing one mobile health specialist. So it would be an exchange. Um, so we don't have any additional FTE. We just are changing some of the FTE that the number of FTE. We have the same number, but they may have different positions. Um, you'll notice that the dentist and the, um, the registered dental assistant, those are new. And uh, we've also added on our program coordinator. That's Brenda, who currently is not in the budget with the county, but we would be adding her into the budget for the county um, in this next um, recipient agreement. We're basically using the same amount of money and distributing it differently within the staff positions that we have. There aren't any, um, even though we're adding staff, we do not get any increase from uh, Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program. So these are all expenses that Alameda Health System has to assume. Uh, about these um, expenditures that uh, we have to assume, or that the county has to assume, uh, is this uh, this is not is this permanent or is this um, just for this uh, fiscal year? Um, the proposal is for to be two years, so it would be calendar year 2022 and calendar year 2023. And okay. again, with calendar year 2022, there are there are some additional funds. There's extra funds in 2022 related to capital expenses and part of the medical director expense. And as far as those as far as those particular funds. Um, um, do do we or does AHS uh, have the ability to use the funds as they see fit in terms of the program? Are are those earmarked for specific uh, for specific things? That they only specific things that can is it spelled out what they could be actually used for? So the 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 narrative that we have in front of us. This is the plan that we tell the county. This is how we plan on using the funding that they're providing to us. And specifically with the capital expense, we needed to outline for them what we were using those funds for, and it was through mutual agreements what we were using them for. Okay. So, no, I mean, we don't have, we need to follow the plan that we provide to them in the subrecipient agreement. I see. Okay. We can request changes. If, um, so, for example, there's an assistant practice manager position placed place there. As, um, and it's possible that we won't be able to get that approved at the beginning of the fiscal year. So it's likely that we wouldn't realize expenses to that position, even if we approved it here, um, until Alameda Health System um, approves that position within their system. So 
again, these, these are plans, and if we aren't able to create that position, it would probably revert to the mobile health specialist, which is where the position stays uh, right now. That's where that position sits. Um, not, not to get too technical, but just out of curiosity, uh, what determines or what criteria is used to determine whether or not um, that position is actually needed? Oh, well, uh, Damon and I, as the leaders of the Homeless Health Center, have determined um, that the position is needed because of the expansion with dental, as well as the um, increasing responsibilities for the Homeless Health Center as the board has been developed and the program is being developed under his leadership. So it's, it's we are the ones who have determined that it's needed. Okay. Good question. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Um, at this time, we're not asking for your um, to, for you to approve the subrecipient agreement. We wanted to bring it to you so you could discuss it um, and give us any feedback. For for example, Mark, since you were asking about you know um, our decisions around spending money, this would be where you could provide feedback and say we disagree. We don't think you need an assistant practice manager. We'd rather see another physician on board the mobile unit. You, you know, like, and I'm, I'm making this up as an example, but, but this is where you provide feedback to whether or not our plan with the subrecipient agreement is in alignment with the strategic plan that we're developing and in alignment with the goals you have for the homeless health center. So you'd be able to provide feedback on that. I have a question. On the van that mm -hmm. you're planning to purchase, Mm -hmm. It has a one-time fee of $250,000. Will we get that $250,000 next year or the year after, even though we don't have to purchase the van? Um, the, if, if I understand the question correctly, when we, when we purchase the van, we get that reimbursed from the county. So frequently what happens is we have to put the money forth ahead of time and then they reimburse us. Okay. All right. So we won't have it in the budget the next time. You, uh, so, so it's in the, it, it's in the budget for 2022. So as of January, if, if this agreement is approved, that's when we start the process of purchasing the Sprinter van. Right. And we, we purchase a sprinter van and request reimbursement as soon as we've spent the funds. Um, we invoice them for our expenses. Uh, Heather, I, Heather, I have another question. Um, um, yes. I'm just wondering, uh, just um, picking up where she started uh, regarding the van, I noticed that um, the expenditure for dental equipment is at, uh, set at $38,000. My question is, is how, how, is it assessed, uh, how is it assessed that, A, uh, what equipment will go on? I mean, who makes that assessment of what kind of equipment goes on, number one? And number two, once that's approved, um, how, is, how, do we, how do we calculate the the, the general cost, um, because uh, given where we are now, and given um, at the time uh, at the time next year, if we approve the van, um, 
the, the cost, of course, of medical equipment uh, can fluctuate. Thank you so much, Mark. So um, the dental team requested specific equipment and provided um, estimates of cost to the county because there was a specific HRSA supplemental funding amount that was provided to the county that was going to be um, distributed to us. So they asked us what we needed and asked us how much it would cost, and we told them. And so that is what is being granted to us through the subrecipient agreement. Okay. Is there, um, and with that in mind, um, if and when um, the dental van is uh, eventually put together, um, could it be that there might be some other hidden costs that uh, may arise that that may need to be addressed, and do we have the ability to address that uh, for any cost over possible cost under uh, overruns or um, or um, underfunding of of said equipment? Thank you so much again, Mark. Because you you've always got the, the best questions, and I was on a call today with the foundation, so. The subrecipient agreement represents only the funds that are coming from the county. And so they are firm and will not change. However, just as you said, the cost of the supplies, depending on how we um, design the van and the equipment that's put in and additional overruns, you know, branding and things like that, are going to be supported by the foundation. The foundation is seeking funds to also support the design and build of the van, and we've given them an estimate of how much we need in order to build it the way we want to because the county funds won't be adequate to build a van that can actually support um, dental service delivery. Um, and you may re recall last year the, the Homeless Health Center mobile unit was um, the featured fund need for the gala. And we have funds mm -hmm. with the foundation oh, yeah. um, that are are sitting and ready and waiting for us, and, and we are holding and haven't used them yet specifically so that we can uh, leverage them for this project. Okay. And um, one other quick question. Uh, one other quick question. Um, has it, um, is there uh, is there a specific uh, deadline date in which uh, the the purchase of the van and the staffing of the van has to be completed? Is there a mandate time, timeline? I, I'm pretty sure that the that the capital expenditures are intended to be spent by June 30th, 2022. So we'll have the six months in which to get things more or less spent. Okay. Um, the other expenditures should just be are more or less the program year. And so, again, the, the budget is to be spent by December 31st of each year. But the, the capital expenses are different and have a different timeline. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. One more comment on that last question. Okay. That it is our draft strategy that um, we track capital expenses specific to mobile health um, in you know as part of the monitoring of the strategic plan. So. That will be coming back to you all to, to see on a regular basis um, if you approve the plan as it's laid out now. Okay, thank you. Some of the costs seem kind of low. Um, I'm thinking in the area of supplies and stuff. Um, was this the same amount that we approved last year? 
Um, yeah, so um, they're not, I'll have to compare them. Um, Brenda, can you go to the next page? Because we have um, a specific dollar amount that they give us to spend, I'm limited right. to that, that total dollar amount each year. And so because we added additional staff up at the top, some of these supply mm -hmm. costs or, or things that we dedicated for supplies did decrease. Um, and again, Alameda Health System um, does also support the van. So this is not necessarily the cost of our supplies and routine maintenance. This is just the amount that we invoice the county for. And I will say that in general, it does cover it. You'd be surprised at how bare bones our operations is as far as supplies. <laughs> And, and okay. folks get what they need. We, we are not, we, that doesn't mean that anybody is not getting what they need. Um, <laughs> but we, we do feel comfortable in, in trimming our invoices to the county. In that area, we would prefer to support our, the staffing above. Mm -hmm. um, another question I have, this is Mark again. Um, uh, in general, um, Let's just say, for argument's sake, I'm looking at this one uh, entry um, of expenditure um, on training, uh, and that that includes. Uh, I, I'm on tw uh, page 20 of 20, I think it is. Um, Correct. Uh, travel accommodations for national health care for the homeless conference and other training. Um, I just uh, I, what I'm curious about is whether or not uh, let's just say because of COVID reasons. Um, no, no such conference is held. Um, is that money? Is that money returned back uh, to general fund, or uh, can it be used uh, elsewhere? Not that this would happen, of course, but would. It, but if it were to happen, and uh, that that wasn't available, um, the conference wasn't available, or or we're not doing other uh, type of training or extended training, uh, uh, could could funds uh, go elsewhere? And do we have the power to, to do that? Yes, thank you so much, Mark, we do. Um, so generally what we do is we keep the total expense that's within the operating expenses. So everything below the line operating expenses. If we spend more on office supplies and less on training, that's okay. We can do that within that mm -hmm. section without really much discussion with the county. Um, if we wanted to take it outside of the operating expenses entirely and move it someplace else, we would just need an agreement from the county. Um, and generally, they're pretty amenable, and we have reasonable, um, we have good reasons if we want to move it. And, and the training is a perfect example. We had set this into our budget last, um, previously as well. And then, you know, you may recall, we had even nominated somebody to attend the conference, and then those conferences yeah, all yeah. canceled, right? So we had an intent to attend con the conference, and we want to have the funds available so that people can attend um, those national conferences. So we do want to have it in the budget. Um, we do want to make space for that. And, and if it can't happen, then we will do exactly as you say and just reallocate it to someplace else in the budget. Okay. One other question. Uh, looking at the budget in its entirety uh, and the various programs or, um, or um, positions, um, personnel positions. Uh, one thing I, uh, and maybe you might have spoke on it before I got on, but um, I, I thought we were operating um, up until, I guess we still are, uh, operating uh, street teams uh, that visit encampments and so on. And I'm just wondering, I, I don't see anything that mm -hmm. actually spells street teams. Thanks so much, Mark, for asking. 
asking Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program does the street teams. So I think that's, um, you yeah. talk about that probably with your other group. Oh, I yeah, see. Okay. The county. Yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Any other questions or comments? Um, so you're oh, likely going to see this again uh, next month. Mm -hmm. And if, if uh, there isn't a request for any significant changes, it'll probably look a lot like this, but cleaned up for all of its uh, little minor details that need cleaning up. And then that would be when you approve it. The action item, okay. It becomes an action item next, yep. Yeah. I think Damon? I just want to say one thing that, not to be self-centered or, you know, <laughs> but no one really does it <laughs> to the fact that um, the, uh, sorry, I'm using the room, um, but the county is, uh, yeah, please, thank you. Sorry, someone just came in to clean the room. Uh, that the county is shifting the cost of the project director um, position to Alameda Health System, and the Alameda Health System is picking up that cost, and um, I just wanted to make sure everyone understood that. So. Um, the whole person care funding was, uh, I think, previously what the county had tied to this position, and that program is coming to an end as the state shifts toward a new um, program called CalAIM. Um, and I think it's pretty, it's pretty significant, actually, that uh, you know Alameda Health System is now taking up the funding for the project director position. Um, you know, I think separate from me, I think it's really important that the governing board have, that you all have good representation and and, um, mm -hmm. and good support, you know, to be able to exercise your role as the governing board for our health center. And um, I think it's really a, a good thing that um, Alameda Health System has chosen to continue funding the role um, and something that you all, I think, want to pay attention to um, moving forward. So I just wanted to highlight that shift because I think it's a really important shift. And Catherine, I don't know if you have anything additional to say about that. I don't know. Thanks, Damon. I, um, I actually, um, I have a question. Um, just out of curiosity, we're talking about uh, personnel expenses uh, regarding the next fiscal year. And, and I'm, I was just curious, um, what if any... Um, what if any of these um, job descriptions or uh, or uh, personnel slots? How many of these slots are are currently not are new to the program, or um, are not currently filled, and um, there needs to be hiring? In um, and in other words, what what are what are um, what are some of these positions that are new uh, to the program? Um, or uh, if they're not new, new or old, um, do we have uh, personnel uh, in those particular spots uh, at this given time? And if not, uh, who is responsible for actually hiring them? Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for your great question again. So I'm the practice manager, so I do the hiring for the clinic. Um, uh, right now, the only position that we do not have somebody in is the registered dental assistant. So that is a new position, and it would be a new addition um, to our to ambulatory care. So we need to create that, it's, and nobody is currently in it. Um, and and yeah, who would do the hiring? That would be me. Oh, okay. I would probably, in this case, have a lot of help from Dr. Ng because it's dental. 
um, for a dental physician. So she would she would be helping me with that um, and making sure that uh, we got a good candidate to work with Dr. Hall. Now, Dr. Hall, who is our, our dentist who's in the program, um, does, uh, does currently fall under Dr. Ng. Dr. Ng hired Dr. Hall. So it is possible that the registered dental assistant will also be hired by the dental practice manager instead of me, even though they're assigned to the mobile health clinic. It'll be one of those. Right. Oh, and, and a fun administrative detail we get to work out. And then the <laughs> other one um, is the assistant practice manager, right? So there's nobody currently in that position. That position doesn't exist yet. So that would be new and needed to be added. And similarly, that would be um, myself with Damon's help because it's a, a leadership position um, with, for the clinic. So I'd be the, the manager who hires them with Damon's help. Okay. And, and um, just out of left field here, here's another crazy question. This is a crazy question. Uh, <laughs> given the fact that we're going to, uh, that we are going to purchase a Sprinter van and, and we're going to put dental equipment in, in it and make it a mobile dental clinic, uh, I have a, I have an open request. Um, I, I'd like to request um, just for our perusal and, and uh, glowing, uh, let's say, uh, Glowing pride. I would love to see uh, a, a before, during, and after picture of the building uh, out of the Sprinter van. I think that sounds like a great idea, and um, will likely be part of uh, that strategic plan reporting that we do. So you can see that we're actually making progress on that, right, Damon? He's like, "Yep, good plan." Pictures. We'd love to provide some pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because we, we can't meet right now uh, in person, and we can't have like uh, dro uh, driven up right in the front driveway of the of the emergency <laughs> at the moment. So it'd be nice to have pictures that let, um, for us to get a chance to look at um, our new toy, <laughs> <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> Um, 
would like to nominate myself. Okay, thank you. Any others? Are uh, there, oops, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, no, no, I'm good. Okay, are there any nominations for other CAB members by members of the board present? Okay, hearing none. So just Loretta, thank you. And then let's move to vice chair. Any self-nominations for vice chair? Uh, I'll, I'd like to put myself in. Okay. Thank you. And any, any more? I'm going to need Mark. What was that, Lucia? Uh, no, this is for Vice Chair, right? Yes. Um, I want to nominate Mark. Thank you. I heard a nomination from Mark. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, any others? Okay, hearing none. Um, since everyone that either self-nominated or nominated is here, I'd like to give each of you, starting with Loretta, an opportunity to briefly say why you would, well, if you have been nominated to either accept or decline the nomination. But for Loretta, since you self-nominated, if you would like, you have the opportunity to say a couple words of why you would like to serve as um, the chair. Okay. Um, I've enjoyed this past year working with um, Heather and Damon, and um, uh, homelessness is a, a very uh, strong passion of mine, and meeting the health requirements of, of people who are homeless is one of my top priorities also. And I've really, I've learned a lot, and I've enjoyed this experience, and I, I can't believe it was over already <laughs> it went by so fast um even with covid and stuff it just went by so fast but um that's about all that I, I i i love working for you volunteering for you i should say and yeah. thank you madam chair you're running unopposed um so we'll wait for the vote though in december to make that official but appreciate that um now moving to vice chair. So Richard, you um, would you like to say a few words of why you would like the position of um, vice chair? Uh, I just want to be able to, <clears throat> am I unmuted? You're good, okay. Okay. you're good. Okay, awesome. Um, just, to, just to be able to, you know, pick up the ball where um, if Loretta's not able to be in for a meeting to be able to step in and kind of understand the layout of how meetings go and be able to follow through um, with her execution, pretty much. Um, as well as, of course, sharing the same passions as Loretta as far as homelessness, being that I am a resident here and I do see it, it is a, it is a topic that will continue to be um, very important to me, um, as well as my fellow board members, and I, I will continue to support that. 
Um, and now, Mark, you were nominated. Do you accept that nomination? Um, I do not at this time. However, I'm very humbled and flattered that uh, someone would nominate me uh, to, to, to such a responsibility. Um, um, and just because I decline to take it on at this point in time, um, believe me, um, that doesn't mean I'm not interested or that I'm not interested in, um, in that I wouldn't be interested in the future. Thank you. Okay, so in December, um, all members present will vote. Both are unopposed, but we'll do the vote um, in December as it's required by the bylaws. Is there any final comments before we move forward? Actually, actually it's an action item. Okay, I need the. Oh, yeah. So I need a okay. vote. Can, well, that doesn't actually. How do you say that? <laughs> Well, no, it's a little odd because it's a nomination, but I guess all here would have to confirm the nomination. Sorry. Sorry, Kayla. I was just following the format from last year, and we had listed this as an action item. So. <laughs> okay. I think, yeah, we're not going to actually take a vote here because then that would make the December meeting pointless. Right. Um, so, right. Sorry, we have our nominations. We'll list those on the next agenda, and that will be the action item. Sorry, I should have changed that. It's my fault. No, no worries. Thank you so much. All right, thank you all. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. Okay, we're on uh, item G. Um, Damon, you're, you're up to talk about our strategic plan. Thanks. So I was hoping just to give the brief overview again of the plan and then uh, move to the third, um, the third element of the plan that we didn't get a chance to discuss in detail last time. Um, I think you all remember um, that we we talked about, we reviewed the mission last time um, coming out of the retreat and made some really small modifications to that between the retreat and last meeting. And then it seems like the board members present at last meeting um, were pretty supportive of the new mission statement, which I believe um, is on the first or second page. Can you scroll forward, Brenda, so we can just see that? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's the mission Grounded in Human Rights and Social Justice. Oh, Mark, sorry, we're on page 42 of 51 for those who are um, who don't have video access right now. Um, grounded in Human Rights and Social Justice, the AHS Homeless Health Center provides comprehensive and accessible services to ensure that all Alameda County residents, regardless of their current housing situation, can be physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually healthy. Um, are there, I haven't received any um, emails or anything from anyone in between, which you are, are, of course, welcome to send, you know, in an ongoing way until we, um, until we as a board approve the final version of the strategic plan. But are there any additional comments people didn't get a chance to make last time that they want to make now? There don't have to be, but just wanted to leave space if there is. Um, Damon, you're, you're referring to um, the mission statement as read? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I think it's great. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, that was the sentiment last time. So we'll move just to the um, first um, first priority in the strategic plan, which is the next page, I believe. We went over this in detail, so I'm not going to go over it in detail again today unless people have um, specific questions. But I'll read the, the strategic goal. This is page 43 of 51. Maximize the care that people experiencing homelessness receive for acute and chronic illnesses at the earliest opportunity 
and in the locations and settings that work best for them. And this was related to the themes that came up in our retreat around taking advantage of high points of contact, uh, really creating drop-in and on-demand um, opportunities, making sure we partner with others, and thinking about using a primary care model rather than just a, a you know urgent care model in as many settings as possible. Um, we went through actually in detail the strategies, milestones, and measures last time. Um, I'm happy to entertain any additional questions or comments on this. Um, again, if, if folks have them. Um, one question. Um, it, uh, as the medical director, um, even though um, what we're discussing is in the scope of uh, our cab, uh, you being medical director and, and being kind of the point person in this respect uh, reg regarding, um, re regarding um, our three-year plan, uh, um, have you discussed this with um, other colleagues, and what is their response to um, this document um, as of now? Um, I haven't discussed the document in a lot of detail, but I have discussed a lot of the, the themes, strategies, and milestones. I think the document as it's written, um, you know, is, is primarily um, meant to kind of conform to the strategic planning process that this co-applicant board uses, but you'll remember the, the kind of strategies really focus in the early years on the bridge clinic. Um, and I have absolutely, you know, taken a role um, as a champion of the bridge clinic and, and support of that program um, actually in my capacity as the one of the covering um, providers for the, the uh, chief ambulatory officer, chief administrative officer of ambulatory. I now supervise Dr. Herring. Um, even though this is not within scope for the Homeless Health Center right now, that's part of some of my coverage responsibilities. Um, so I've you know, been working really closely with Dr. Herring around the future of the Bridge Clinic, and I know, um, you know, I know Dr. Herring, Dr. Wise, who you've seen present here, are really supportive of, of our collaboration there. And then, of course, the other, the other area where we're really working on expanding the, the scope of places where people are already dropping in is with the, our dental colleagues. Um, and so that's part of this strategic element as well. So the, the, the sort of earliest things in the pipeline around this, I think, have strong support from, um, from you know, the, the, the colleagues who will be implicated over the next year of this plan. I think moving forward over the next three years, um, there's a lot more work to be done to build support for this general principle across ambulatory and across Alameda Health System. Um, so that, that's where I think there's more, there's more that I need to do, Mark, to lean into um, to your question around how to socialize this more across, you know, more of more of ambulatory. Okay, thank you. Hey, is that all you have, Damon? Or that that's uh, for this strategic goal. There's two more strategic goals that we've that we are gonna go through. And we didn't spend any time on strategic goal number three in the last meeting, so I'm gonna spend some more time on, on three. Uh, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm pausing here just in case there's more that, that folks wanna add okay. around one. Around one first. Um, was there anything you wanted to add on one, Loretta? Or can we move to strategic goal two? No, you, you, can, you can move. That's fine. Okay, great. So strategic goal number two, if you all remember last time, this was something that didn't really come up in our retreat and really came up based on staff analysis of what of, of the conversation that we had in the co-applicant board retreat. Um, 
Um, the goal is to ensure sustainable funding and infrastructure to support existing and expanded services. So a lot of the things that we want to do take both more money and more ability to analyze the situation that we're in and propose you know, plans for ways to move forward um, that we don't really currently have a strong capacity for in, you know, in just the staff of the Homeless Health Center. And so the reason we proposed this goal, even though it wasn't something that you know, was talked about in our retreat, was that in order to achieve any of the other things we talked about in the retreat, we, we knew we we're gonna have to do a better job really focusing on where sustainable funding and, and also reporting infrastructure and analytic infrastructure exist within our, within our system. Um, so that's why we, you know, as staff, chose to, to add this goal to the strategic plan. And if you all remember the last time I said, is this crazy? Like, you know, this is something that you guys didn't even bring up. Does it seem like it makes sense um, that, that, you know, we're coming back to you saying this is a big thing that we need to add here? And, um, and in general, the sentiment, I think, was, yes, it totally makes sense to us. Um, but again, I'll open it up for, you know, for more conversation here without, without reading in detail the strategies, milestones, and measures again. Well, um, as far as, uh, as, far as um, um, looking at strategic goal number two, I'm just thinking uh, one of the points that are ma that's made in there is one of the strategies is to uh, add financial expertise to co-applicant board and the homeless health center staff. And um, my question is, is first of all, um, given that um, AHS um, is a public entity, uh, do or don't or do we not uh, already have in-house um, CPAs that they don't report to us directly, but uh, they they I would imagine report at least to uh, possibly the um, the board of supervisors or um, or the board of trustees when it comes to uh, in order for them to make actual informed financial decisions. Am I Am I not correct in that or no? No, you're absolutely correct. We have a very capable finance team that includes accountants and other finance professionals um, that work for Alameda Health System. I think this proposal around the Homeless Health Center staff is that we, um, if you look in the, in the milestones, it really talks about having a dedicated resource for the Homeless Health Center, um, okay. which we don't currently have. So often we're trading off against other, you know, really important priorities for Alameda Health System um, in terms of what, what things are important to analyze right now, how do we put together a financial picture of the future, um, and so questions we have around what are ways to develop sustainable financing for services for people experiencing homelessness, you know, have to get thrown in with everything else. Our colleagues, I have to say, in that context are very supportive. They're very responsive to us. You know, they're very happy to help. It's not about um, whether people are sort of kind or interested or available. It's really about giving them the resources they need to say hire someone who's part-time who can really become an expert on FQHC regulations, how those tie in with CalAIM. You know, they have this whole restructuring of Medicaid that's happening at the state level that we've talked about a little bit. Um, there's a lot of implications for the Homeless Health Center in that restructuring. And I think this proposal is really that we find a way to develop some dedicated structure so that we're not only asking our colleagues to be helpful for us, you know, but that it's actually part of someone's job um, to, to, to do this in our institution, if that makes sense. Um, that does make sense. Um, 
I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of my hat here because I'm, I'm coming from a place in which I'm totally ignorant of how uh, medical uh, financial projections are made. Uh, but um, here's my question, uh, and see if um, I'm in the ballpark. Is it possible, uh, given the current uh, financial experts that actually um, already work for AHS, uh, that there might be uh, connected to some of them, uh, maybe from the school they graduated from or whatever additional training they might have had elsewhere, that, that that there might be actual internship program um, that uh, allows, say, a financial somebody who's interested in uh, medical institutional finance uh, would work under a, an actual a person with expertise uh, in a hospital setting who could uh, possibly be um, appointed to a program within the hospital uh, under the supervision supervision of that person. Yeah, I think there's no, uh, like I said, there's no um, capability problem, I think, within our finance team. People have the capabilities. I think the it's it's having the capacity, and I think it would be, you know, a really interesting idea to connect to whatever trainee or internship or support programs our finance team is already um, working with to, you know, to, to help people connect to our work. I think, um, you know, it's a really compelling and interesting area of work, and, you know, certainly being able to support something like the development of a dental van that's billing Dentical and, you know, coming new and drive, like, I think that would be really exciting work for a lot of people who are interested in, in, you know, healthcare finance. Um, so I think that's a great area for us to explore with our colleagues. I think okay. that the, the thing that's called out here is really establishing resources for this, that there's an expectation that, you know, the leadership of the homeless health center have access to analyst time on a regular basis that's expected, that's not coming in above and beyond someone else's job. We're not asking for a report that's separate from what their job is to do. It's like we want it in, in someone's job description and in the way they're resourced for their work that expected. We're going to do a strategic plan every three years. We're going to have to analyze, are we keeping up with the strategic plan? We have to produce reports mm -hmm. that make sense to you all around where we are against our budget. You know, I think that conversation we had about our budget and how you know, you brought up a lot of things as our co-applicant board before we approved this last budget as to things you would rather see, things that you wanted to make more sense. You know, I think we're going to need additional dedicated time to produce those things. We can't rely on our colleagues just going above and beyond to do that. So, so this is more about getting, you know, this is, this is saying that it's part of our plan to get more dedicated time for those kinds of activities. Right. Um, and my last point about the about this issue, uh, it might be time, uh, or it might be a good idea um, where it might be in our best interest uh, to raise this issue if and when we get the chance uh, to the board of trustees that this is something that we uh, we as a body, uh, the co-applicant board as a body, uh, uh, would would very much like to have. And, and ask them, um, how can you help us facilitate this? Or will you help us facilitate this? Absolutely. I think that's, a, that's my hope for this um, strategic planning process is, you know, I think when we discussed the timeline for this, the idea was even if we had a little bit of drift, we were supposed to end it this month and complete the vote this month, um, that we would still have plenty of time for us to, you know, really give thoughtful presentations and multiple presentations to the Board of Trustees before the final AHS-wide budget was approved for fiscal year 
um, 22, 23. And so, um, so that's, that's absolutely part of the plan is for, you know, for you all to having worked through this document, you know, work through the retreat process, really feel like you have a grasp of what the important priorities are for, you know, for us to serve people experiencing homelessness the best we can, and then to leverage the staff and the document and the process to, to advocate, um, you know, inside and outside of AHS for, for the things that, um, that we need. Thank you. Damon, the, the bringing the bridge clinic um, into, you know, financial projections for the bridge clinic, that's new, isn't it? That, that hasn't been done before. Is that correct? Um, there, uh, when, when you say that hasn't been done before, do you, can you um, maybe say, say a few more words about that? Well, meaning um, the Bridge Clinic, um, they're no, technically not part of the homeless health team, are they? Or do you consider them part of the homeless health team? I think it's, um, it's they're not technically on our scope currently. Um, mm -hmm. and we're not currently, um, you know, they're not currently participating in the prospective payment system. Certainly we can say that. I think there's a question as mm -hmm. to, you know, um, yeah, I, I, we're, they're not participating in prospective payment right now. I think it's possible that they will be on our scope in the near future and that yeah. obviously that add them to the scope. It's not clear the mechanism by which they'll be on our scope. So it's definitely part of the plan to figure out how to help the Bridge Clinic take advantage of um, payment rates that they deserve to provide a covered service for a population that absolutely needs it, right? This is the point of the right. health center. Analyze the needs of the population. Right. Substance use is a huge need. Um, and we have, you know, substance use is a mandated part of the scope of services for people experiencing homelessness. Um, so we absolutely mm -hmm. should be able take advantage of the benefits of being a federally qualified health center for services like Bridge. Um, what's not right. clear to me right now is the mechanism to do that, um, you know, given, given yeah. um, some of what we'll hear about more next in, in our next meeting from when the finance team is able to come and, and you know, present more right. um, all around some of the details. Thank you, Dan. You go to the next uh, strategic goal. Great. So the next one, I'll go through in a little bit more detail, um, just because we um, we um, didn't get to kind of detail last time. We got cut off. We lost our quorum actually before talking about this element last time. So strategic goal number three is create strong uh -huh. and lasting relationships. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear yeah. you. I thought I heard an uh-oh, sorry. Uh, create strong and lasting relationships between care teams and people experiencing homelessness at every opportunity by following up on identified housing and primary care needs. So the themes we talked about in our retreat that, um, that were prioritized by the co-applicant board related to this are follow-up, homeless prevention, and partnership with others. Um, and so this was a way of, of tying together those themes with a lot of the work that we're already doing um, as staff. And these, you know, the, the strategies really came up in the in the retreat conversation. So this is pretty in line with, I think, what the co-applicant board was already talking. Unlike strategic goal number two, where it was like, we didn't really talk about finance at all. And then we came back to you with finance. Uh -uh. This is like what we were talking about in the retreat. Um, improved navigation to primary care from urgent care, mobile health, and bridge clinic. 
So this is really about establishing and improving. We've already established them, but you know, really doing focused improvement work, I think, on how well people navigate from these other settings to primary care settings. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about some of the limitations of that approach, right, versus the idea of make primary care everything, make urgent care primary care too, which is a different, a different approach to the same kind of question. Um, but regardless, yeah. we start to have to do this navigation work. And then the second strategy here is support housing assistance for people experiencing homelessness from internal Alameda Health System partners, including the health advocates and complex care management. So this, is, this strategy is more about the homeless health center providing support to the other elements of Alameda Health System that actually have this as part of their scope of work. Um, mm-hmm. So a health advocates program, I think we've talked about a little bit. It's a group of um, community health workers that when we're able, also have volunteers that follow up on health-related social needs, both in the hospital and in ambulatory settings. Um, they, they are within our care management function. Um, and then complex care management, um, I think you all have you know, gotten a detailed presentation from Lily McRae and Isha Jetty, um, who, who oversee that program. Um, and they also do a lot of work on health-related social needs, primarily for our patients who are, you know, have really complex medical and, and health-related social needs. Um, so those are the two strategies. I think the milestones and measures are actually very um, general in this area because I think, you know, with our current amount of resourcing, the focus of the work, I think, will be in the areas of one and two where we have much more detailed sort of timelines, outlines related, you know, primarily to the budget process, the upcoming budget process for, you know, fiscal year 2022 and 23. This is an area where, you know, I think Heather and I are already doing opportunistic work and we'll continue to do opportunistic work while we're really driving on the other ones. So the lack of detail and the milestones and measures really reflects that our work in this area, while it's a priority, is, is resourced more in a way that it's like we're opportunistically partnering with folks where we can. Um, so I'll pause there and take any comments or questions. Jamin, the second um, infrastructure bill that um, Congress is talking about, which will um, include funding for a lot of social issues, would we benefit from part of that money as well? Um, Certainly our patients will benefit from a lot of the things that are proposed in that. I mean, I don't know. I haven't done any detailed analysis of of that. Um, But, um, you know, there are... um, there is a focus on caregiving in particular. Um, there's a focus on um, on um, you know, people being able to live in the community with disabilities, um, both both you know services and um, infrastructure spending that's in that's in that bill. I know that that you know that bill is, is changing a lot as well, um, but I think it's yeah. pretty safe to say that um, that a lot of what's in it would support the needs of a lot of our um, uh, people experiencing homelessness. Um, or people who are at risk. We would, right. Would we get any financial support from that, or is it just the serv- the money would go to the services, and then we would access the services? So, you know, I think um, most of the way that the federal funding has flowed for COVID relief, you know, it goes to mm-hmm. counties, and, and um, I don't – there's no – there's no change proposed in that to our major revenue streams, uh, okay. being the federally qualified health center status or the the um, HRSA grant funding. 
Um, you know, I think this goes to the strategic goal number two. First of all, half of the homeless health center budget is tied to revenue sources that we can't really specifically identify that flow mm-hmm. in large buckets, you know, through the county to Alameda Health System or through the state to Alameda Health System. And, and we don't really tease apart in the way that we're reporting to you all. Um, some of those certainly will be affected by many of these federal programs, you know, the, from all the way from COVID relief, which wasn't, wasn't in your question, but there's, you know, large amounts of money yeah. going to the county in COVID relief dollars. And um, okay. I think the answer is they absolutely could. There's nothing precluding the homeless health center from going after those dollars for things that are within the scope of services to provide. You know, there's no policy that's precluding that. But I think we don't, we don't really have the, you know, strategic analysis, financial analysis right. put together in a way where we're pursuing those kinds of opportunities right now, um, specifically. While we are, you know, while we do benefit from a big subsidy that comes through Alameda Health System that we don't fully understand, that I don't fully understand as the leader of the program. Um, so that's, that, that to me goes to why strategic goal number two is such a priority for us, right? Where are the funding flows that are in these, you know, big packages that are coming out of the federal government? Right, right. That might match the health center. I want to be able to better answer questions like that from you. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to be overlooked, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which could happen, you know. That's true. Um, I, I think it, it does yeah. happen. I, I think I think there's a lot of reason for, you know, the staff of you know ambulatory and the homeless health center. You know, we employ a lot of community health workers um, for for a governing board that's made up of patients to have mm-hmm. the ability to design the interventions and take advantage of the revenue streams that are coming to develop health equity. That's the whole point of the Community Health Center program. Um, It's really a major advantage to having community health workers. And so, yes, it's not just that we don't want to be forgotten, it's that we want to lead and should be leading uh, in in those areas because we are and and who we're made up of, both I think as a staff and, you know, and as a a governing board for, you know, in in the case of you all. Thank you, David. Can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, uh, some vocal noise. But um, I guess I had a question about. Um, I think when thinking about partnership with others, um, some of the folks that you know are with the health system are doing, you know, maybe not exactly the same work, but that, like kind of like the health advocates complex for management that, you know, uh, maybe a significant portion of their clients kind of are also part of the health care for the homeless folks. Um, what kind of uh, regular communication or meetings or, like, how does partnership with those groups look like um, where, you know, they're, they're within the system but they're not part of the health care for the homeless? That's, that's a good question. So probably the one of the more important venues is an internal planning meeting around the Cal AIM program, which is the the Medi-Cal transformation program that's happening, um, where a lot of stakeholders, you know, focused on people experiencing homelessness and other complex populations, come together um, on a monthly basis at a minimum and sometimes twice a month with a really structured agenda. 
um, that's focused right now on um, transforming the Health Homes program, which is part of the funding stream for complex care management, into the enhanced care management um, program, which is going to happen on January, you know, January first, twenty twenty-two. So there's a lot of sort of detailed technical challenges there, but um, kind of in parallel to that, through those meetings, we're addressing the issues of. Um, thinking through how to coordinate community health worker, you know, um, support, training uh, across our system, and, um, and also um, talking about how we address health-related social needs. And so through some of our advocacy from ambulatory, we've really decided within that conversation about health-related social needs and that system-wide meeting to prioritize housing. So that's probably the best example. Um, you know, I, I've already mentioned, like, I'm in a direct supervising role now with um, with uh, Dr. Herring, who's the medical director for substance use in our system and, and one of the main architects of the Bridge Clinic. Um, we also have a regular monthly meeting um, with the complex care management team, just Heather and myself with um, with Lily McRae, um, often Isha Jetty, and, um, and Minnie Swift, who's the vice president of population health. So we have, a, we have those few regular meetings with the internal partners. Um, externally, I meet regularly with, you know, Healthcare for the Homeless. Heather and I meet with the commission regularly. Um, we're trying to figure out the best mechanism to meet with the housing parts of the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination, um, which technically Healthcare for the Homeless sits underneath the Office of Homeless Care and Coordination in the county, but, you know, I think they're even working out their partnership right now, and so it's not clear what the efficient way is for us to plug into that, but certainly we are aware of announcements and things that happen through our participation in the commission meetings there. And then um, Heather participates in an annual um, process to review the, um, the HUD um, package, um, okay. which supports you know, our whole continuum of care. So Heather's pretty closely linked to that process um, with you know, what's happening in the, in the HUD continuum of care more, more broadly. Um, Heather, are there any other partnership venues that I'm leaving out? I think you covered them. Um, Damon, I have, I have a question. Um, I was just yeah. wondering, or I, I just, just want to make sure that we answer Lucia's question first, Mark, and then we'll come back to yours because uh, I think that's uh, a really important question about how we're how we're doing this partnership. And I did say it's very opportunistic at the moment, which I think is accurate. Um, and there's room there's room for us to do better here if we wanted to trade off other things. So I just wanted to make sure that we really you know, answered Lucia's question and, and there was no follow-up on that issue before we go to another one. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, not at all. Okay. Um, yes, so that's great. It sounds like you guys are pretty connected. I, I think part of my question, or the reason for my question was that I think when thinking about this strategic goal, if we wanted to be a little bit more specific or if we wanted to be um, a little bit more thoughtful in this. I feel like some of the missed opportunities tend to happen like within large organizations when, you know, groups are siloed. Um, so kind of having some structure to meetings or having some commitment to what groups we're going to meet with on a, you know, particular kind of, you know, frequency. Um, so maybe kind of um, outlink outlining that a little bit more in like a more structured way so that there's some um, kind of a, um, accountability, I guess, uh, for the group that we are making it, uh, you know, really actually to 
connect with these folks, that we're in alignment, that our work is kind of moving in the same direction, that we're kind of, you know, benefiting from each other's work um, in a way that, you know, is kind of, um, you know, moving us toward us like similar goals instead of kind of like pulling resources in different directions. So I, I just wonder if that's something that to consider if we wanted to develop something a little bit more specific in terms of the milestones or measures. Yeah, thanks for that. So that I think that's the general idea captured in the milestone to develop formal collaborations with the most common referral partners for primary care and housing assistance. But I think you know, pushing us to be more specific around what those early milestones might be that mm -hmm. we feel comfortable committing to. Um, certainly the CalAIM process is one that, you know, I, that would be, I think, a good one for us to connect to governance and report out to you all so that you're aware of our participation in that process. That's one that's easy to commit. We're already committed to and you might as well spell out. And I think, um, I think that's a place where I'll look to make some changes to this draft when we bring it back to you so, so you can have <laughs> push us if you want in a direction of, of additional things. That sound um, sound good, Lucia? I couldn't hear you. Is she still there? Hello? Sorry, I, I thank you. Okay. Okay. Great. So we'll. I'll make some. I'll. I'll make a couple edits to that um, area when we bring it back for um, for approval. Okay, Mark. What did? What was your? Uh, sorry. Sorry to cut you off and go back to Lucia. Oh, oh that's okay. I didn't mean to cut Lucia off. Uh, I was. I, I. I wasn't aware that you uh, had finished. Uh, that you weren't finished answering her question. Uh, yeah. Uh, along the same lines. Um, about partnerships. Uh, my question would be. Um, what, uh, what if anything, do you think uh, we as a co-applicant board or us as individual members of this board could possibly do to help you and Heather uh, identify and create possible strategies in uh, formulating um, um, deeper collaborations with our referral partners and um, I'd like to make a statement and a second question. Uh, one of the things that um, you usually come across when people are, when you have very different diverse groups, uh, all involved in the same kind of work, but have different, uh, but 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 actually, uh, every, you have different partners who have who have the same some of the same goals, but uh, have different beliefs about um, how those goals should be obtained or how they can be attained. Um, and therein lies the rub. And uh, the reason why I'm bringing it up because sometimes uh, what happens is uh, some group doesn't like the way one group uh, uh, doesn't like one approach by one group. The other group that could be working with that group doesn't no longer wants to work with them because they don't like uh, they don't like their process or they do not like. Uh, uh, their viewpoint and, and the way they the way they choose to deal with the same issue, and uh, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I think it's important going forward. Uh, if we are to succeed in basically strengthening those bonds, we have to go into it realizing that there's going to be some, we're going to have disagreements with some partners about the best way to do exactly what we're talking about, 
And so I think um, we need to we need to in the future find out what those things are, uh, and either discuss those thi- those particular things that we don't agree on that maybe we can come to some consensus, or the other approach is simply to agree with the thing uh, uh, agree with the purchase that uh, that we do agree on and work only within those confines of, of that relationship, and that's going to be a question. Uh, that's going to eventually come up at some point uh, if we do want to form good, healthy uh, collaboration with other groups. Thanks for that, Mark. Yeah, I think, um, you know, yeah, you and Lucy are asking questions about silos and, you know, disagreements. Those never happen at Alameda Health System. I don't know what you guys, where you guys are. <laughs> 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 those, those are really challenging issues that, um, that I think, um, important to, to, to involve the co-applicant board in. I think as a, you know, as a simple matter, I think um, I find it really helpful when you all share your relationships or your contacts or knowledge that you have. You know, Loretta will frequently email us, um, you know, information she's found out or, or, you know, question, are you guys connected to this or that? And I think I would welcome that from any of the co-applicant board members. Um, I think around the time of COVID, you know, we were doing some food relief in the organization, Eric sent some ideas, hey, make sure you remember these folks. So you all have, you know, um, a lot of knowledge and relationships that um, you can share with us, you know, um, just, you know, as they come up, give us a phone call, share via email that are really, really helpful. Um, so that's that's sort of a practical thing that you already do that I would just emphasize, you know, is, is very welcome uh, from, from Heather and from me. Um, in terms of mechanisms to work out the way forward, I think um, you know on on more contentious issues. Um, I think we're you know we've had you know an ad hoc committee that's participated in the governance process. Um, as I mentioned in my um, director update, I don't really have a lot of updates about that, um, and that's a contentious issue. You know where the Republican board I think could be useful. Um, and I think similarly, you know, I don't have a lot of information about what's happening with Measure W, but presumably there's some tension behind the fact that we, we haven't had a new revenue stream that has public oversight that has been implemented um, in, in accordance with what I thought the, the, you know, the measure was going to do. And so I think those are areas where we really look more to the co-applicant board to, um, to lead. In, you know, on, on that kind of advocacy to, to figure out which things you're passionate about, Mark, or, or the co-applicant board is passionate about as a group, and then, and then, um, and then leverage this mechanism to organize. But I think it's, it's, um, there, are, there are some things, you know, within the, within the silos or within the sort of operational structure that are easier for staff, you know, where there's just, the staff have to be, have to drive those collaborations. Um, and I think, um, I think if there are areas that you all want to lead on, um, let us know what those are specifically, and we can we can sort of figure out how to enable and support that that leadership. I think that's what we've tried to do in the area of you know governance overall, and in the area of some of these resources that are more specifically dedicated to the population we serve, like Measure W, is present these as opportunities for you know for you all to to weigh in. Good, thank you. Um, 
great. I think we're um, we've we've woven in a lot of issues into into the strategies and milestones. I really appreciate Lucia's comments before she got off, and I think that will lead to some substantive revisions here to the strategic goal. Does anyone else have any comments before we uh, conclude here? Yeah, I just I was just looking at um, I was just looking at the appendix here, and um, uh, you have for. Um, um, obviously, um, I guess we're going to vote for final approval of this strategic plan. Uh, and um, next, I guess, ongoing, as it says here, um, quarterly monitoring of the strategic plan. And um, I just wanted to, um, I might have forgotten or I might not have remembered, uh, basically how are we currently monitoring uh, our, or how will we go going forward uh, how will we um, monitor, continue to monitor the strategic plan? And is there anything um, in terms of monitoring our program uh, that we haven't done that we should be doing um, given the new goals that we set for ourselves uh, uh, for the next fiscal year? Great question. So, yeah, the plan is to put together, you know, reports on a quarterly basis that are constructed primarily of the milestones and measures that are in this plan. Um, and we'll make adjustments to those milestones and measures as we go based on your direction. Um, so the, the plan, you know, um, we can update the plan. It's not meant to be a document that, you know, just stays that way for three years. If the strategy shifts over time, we can, we can um, update the reports that we bring back to you, or we can update the, the plan as a document if you all want to do that. But, you know, primarily the mechanism will be we'll, we'll bring you reports that are composed of, you know the things that are that are outlined in the milestones and measures, and that way you'll know, you know where how far have we gone on this on this uh, strategic priority or not. Currently, we don't have a strategic plan. This is our first um, our first strategic plan as a governing body because you know we're relatively new as a governing body. Mm -hmm. But from here on out, we'll have a plan. So we're going to establish the mechanisms, and um, you know, hopefully, you guys will give us feedback as we go and um, and let us know. Um, Know what's working and what's not, and we can adjust the way that we report on on the basis of that feedback. Okay, that sounds great. Great. Okay, I think with that, I'll uh, conclude this segment, and um, we'll plan to. Um, send this out to the board again with revisions, but we won't bring it up as a discussion item in December, and I'll just plan to bring it back for approval in January, given that people seem to be, you know, substantively in support of it. If anyone has any concerns, you know, feel free to email me or Heather, um, and, you know, we can have, you know, um, we can address those concerns, you know, one-on-one -on -one, um, or in, a, in whatever other way makes sense. Uh, but I anticipate we'll we'll be able to bring back a document that you all will feel comfortable um, approving in January um, without um, without having to do more uh, discussion at this level. So thanks so much. Thank you, David. <laughs> okay, um, item H is a discussion um, item. Ms. Heather. Hi, y'all. It's time for your favorite program report, monthly. I'm sorry we missed out last month, but here we are. Um, so if you scroll
scroll that this has our number of uh, services that we provided. I know you guys like to look at this chart here to see what's going on. If you look in the um, narrative above and Mark, we are on page 50, so 49 and 50 is the program report. Um, I did include just a comment about uh, flu vaccines as well because we've started to provide flu vaccines at the mobile health clinic. So you've got your um, your COVID and flu vaccines. So but the ones that are um, here in this chart are only COVID vaccines. So we gave two COVID vaccines in the month of October. And you can see the other amounts as well of each of our services. The purple is our enabling services, that's 94. The medical services is 54, sorry, it's just in very small screen. So if I'm calling out the wrong numbers, it's because I can't see them very clearly. Um, and the dental is around 35. And the reason the dental is lower is our dentist was out for um, a couple of weeks uh, during the month of October. So that's why it's lower. Um, in our quality section, you may recall that we started the Eastmont pilot and we were waiting for some data to be returned um, based on the month of October ending. Um, so we were working towards a 10% increase in age as assigned or followed patients seen on mobile who are seen in primary care within one month. And we wanted to take that from a median of 27% to 37%. And you'll see that there's an asterisk, asterisk here and this is because we changed our baseline, and this is because we added in our followed patients. So initially, we were looking at age as assigned patients in our numerator and denominator, and our followed patients were also in our numerator, but not in our denominator, and this caused our baseline to look larger than it actually was. So we added our followed patients into our denominator, and so our baseline was actually 27%. So our results are showing here in letter B. Um, we have a 35% average in the three months following the launch of the pilot, which is an increase over our baseline of 27%. I just want to add this note that in September, the follow-up rate for the patients who were seen in September was 42%. So we are really seeing the um, impact of our change that we put into action at the mobile health clinic by putting Wanda um, mm -hmm. in Eastmont and really focusing on this follow-up for patients. And we had already reviewed these, uh, the other metrics. Um, well, I had them in your report last month, which showed that the um, utilization by Wanda went from 53 patients to 277 patients, and it represents a 422% increase. And this is because um, when a primary care provider is in a, a clinic, brick-and-mortar clinic, they, they see a lot more patients in a day than we see in mobile. So she'll see roughly 20 patients a day in clinic, and, and we'll only see between two and six patients per day when we're in mobile health clinic. Do you guys have any questions? If you pop up one more, um, can you go to page 49? Just a quick comment. Um, I know that we had said last month that we would be coming back to the November meeting with the report from the single audit, and that was delayed to December. So that will be coming back in December. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm glad you went back to page 49, because I was just going to ask a question about um, number 2E um, yeah. under, under mobile health. Um, the 12, uh, 12, uh, 12 flu and 2 COVID-19 
vaccinations during the month of October as part of regular care. Um, is it is it just because uh, it, it, could I interpret that as maybe some people still, uh, even in the homeless population, uh, being reticent to actually um, number one uh, take COVID shots, and on the flu side. Uh, simply that there just weren't a lot of people um, who might be resistant to it or or simply didn't know about it. Mark, thank you for your question. And I think I would want to look back at the charts to answer it. I mean, what I can say is I'm not sure whether the COVID vaccinations were boosters or not, uh, or whether they were first doses. Um, but certainly, I know from experience in the COVID vaccine clinic um, at Highland, we see first dose patients regularly. We continue to see them, and, and people continue to get the vaccine. So we're also later in the pandemic, so the two vaccines might also represent that the other patients that are seeing us are already vaccinated. Um, mm -hmm. But again, without having that patient information, I know I'm just providing a raw number of what we did, but I'm not giving you a full picture of what the patient population was or what the percentage of patients that we saw who are vaccinated um, for either of those things. Okay, and one other quick question. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Damon, but it was announced, it was just announced by the FDA uh, re regarding the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines um, that the FDA, FDA has approved that um, adults uh, all should, um, all should uh, acquire uh, booster shots uh, of either of those two vaccines. If if I uh, if I interpreted what I heard correctly regarding this news, um, uh, homeless patients that have already been vaccinated by us, uh, and some that may even have uh, had had a second shot, uh, has there been any uh, has there been any discussion about whether or not, given how vulnerable the population we deal with, whether or not um, uh, there's a belief in our in our program that people who at least have been vaccinated uh, twice should receive boosters. Yeah, so I think the news that I heard today was that Pfizer is pursuing FDA approval for boosters for all adults. Um, mm -hmm. The advisory boards and the guidelines now do have subpopulations that are pretty broad and especially, um, you know, especially at Alameda Health System, essentially include all of our patients already. Um, but, um, but I don't think the, I don't think the recommendations are yet from the um, FDA or the CDC for all, uh, all adults for boosters. Um, oh, okay. But However, know, like I said, at Alameda Health System, it pretty much covers all of our patients anyway. Uh, the second point I want to make, and then Heather, um, I'll turn it over to Heather, is just that uh, by far the most important thing from an individual clinical standpoint and from a population health standpoint is to get unvaccinated people a vaccination, you know, whether that's a, a two-shot series of Pfizer or Moderna or the one-shot, um, you know, Janssen uh, vaccine. I think right. boosters are um, an important consideration, but I think uh, you know we really want to make make sure we're still figuring out: are there any strategies? Are there any pockets of people we can we can reach to get vaccinated? Period. And I think that remains really um, the the strategic focus for a lot of the programs. Um, Heather, what were you going to say? 
Sorry. Thanks, Damon. Um, I was just going to add that on our eligibility criteria for Alameda Health System, it includes um, social determinants as an um, eligibility, like that you would meet eligibility based on that. So, so if your concern, Mark, was whether or not our patients experiencing homelessness were eligible to receive the booster, they're included on the eligible list. Oh, okay, great. All right, well, that concludes my report. If nobody has any other questions, I turn it back over to Loretta. Thank you, Heather. Um, do we have any public comment? No, none tonight. Okay. Um, how about uh, any co-applicant board member comments on anything? Um, I will say this. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited about what we're doing and where we're going. I agree, Mark. I agree. Okay. And nothing else? No one has anything else to say or ask questions? Okay, then. We can call this meeting adjourned at 723. Okay. All right. Thank well, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank uh, you.